Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome, Elise, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, Beck. I'm really excited, actually. It's um, it's quite an honour. I, I love your your podcasts, and I think you do such an amazing thing for the community. So thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you so much. So I guess if we can get started and you tell us the love story of you and your husband, how you got together, how long you've been together, give us the backstory. So Greg and I met probably about 11 years ago, and we were at Eagle Farm Race in Brisbane and we both had friends who had drank quite a lot and we were trying to wait for them because they were taking their time so we ended up just talking at the gates and then his friend came along and he left and he was like can I have your number and I said oh look go have a great day it was great to meet you see you later so he left and didn't think sort of anything of it and then on the way back home I stopped at Storybridge Hotel my friends and I and we go in there and by pure chance he was in there with his mates and I went up to the bar and he tapped me on the shoulder he's like hi <laughs> and then we got chatting and then we'd been out all day and then we both decided to actually just go out for dinner the two of us so we left our friends and we went down the road and we had a dinner that lasted till midnight where actually the staff ended up joining us because we were like chatting and dancing and we had the best night ever and then so that night ended probably about midnight and we said look whatever happens let's just make sure we stay in touch and stay friends because we obviously have a great connection we both had quite involved lives at that point and so much going on and so we thought yeah we'll just be great friends and then I was finishing an MBA I was also doing um my work requires me to travel overseas quite a lot and we sort of lost touch and then our, and then it wasn't until after Christmas my life started to like slow down or give me at least a breath or two and I wrote to him I said to him hi I'm not sure if you remember me we had this great night I just wanted to say hi and he wrote back remember me you broke my heart I haven't heard from you and so from then we just got chatting and we spoke for ages back and forth and yeah we built up our, our friendship and then it uh, turned into a love story pretty quickly. We knew that we were both very compatible people that had so much to talk about and we really were a couple that it was hard to draw us apart from each other because we we did want to talk about so many things. So then probably about a year later, he proposed. He took me back to the same place, but he actually forgot where it was and I thought he was trying to head to the restaurant we went to and I said I think I know where you're going do you want me to take you there he's like all right all right so we went back there and he proposed and yeah we've been together ever since um we 
both had jobs which traveled internationally. So we didn't see each other a lot. Well, there was a lot of back and forth and things like that. But when we did, it was um, really great uh, at the start, but I really had no idea about the military world and what uh, dating a military man would look like. So that's how it sort of evolved. Yeah. (laughs) So it went from an initial brush off from you to chance meeting later that night and then breaking his heart and then being engaged within a year once you got back in contact yeah pretty much to summarize it and then we had a, a child a year later so oh, it also gosh. happened quick but we were both at a stage in our lives we knew exactly what we wanted in it and we wanted each other and we wanted this life together so so obviously he was already in defense when you met did you do any research into what that would mean being a defense couple did you <laughs> prepare yourself for it how did you sort of go into that relationship totally blind so greg was he is totally indoctrinated in the military world because he left school early and joined the military in new zealand and he's, he's a kiwi and then he transferred over to the australian air force so that's all he's known and i i went in going okay this works i travel too that's great like we'll just sort of meet up i was a really independent person i didn't think for one second there would be any issues or anything like i I literally just went in blind and didn't even think to do any research i grew up with some grant um my grandfather my uncle were in the military and there's a couple other people in the military and i knew it's a sort of a disruptive world to live in but because i traveled so much i was like oh well i live that well too we kind of understand and so i went in not knowing anything and i didn't do any research because i didn't think i would and i didn't think i'd need to prepare for anything was it a bit easier because you weren't always the one being left behind you were also saying okay see you i gotta go i've got my own stuff going on at the start i thought that exactly i'm like because i had heard other spouses feeling like they were left behind whilst their partners go away and have these amazing trips and they talk about the camaraderie and things they did and there are obviously really great highlights in traveling but there's also a lot of mundane tasks and also stuff they won't talk about as well so i i thought this will be easy because i go away and in some ways my world was a bit more my role is international engagement so he perceived my position as more glamorous i suppose than his him being in the air force and traveling back and forth and unloading and then coming back so yeah i didn't have any research i thought it was going to be just as easy um, because we both had similar and i say similar very loosely now jobs and roles and yeah i think i thought it definitely would be easy totally easy (laughs) going into it and so what was the reality like once sort of the dust had settled um obviously you got engaged after a year before you got pregnant and went on to have a baby together what was the reality of defense life like what was the introduction it started pretty early i reckon after a year of being together and i feel that the changes i started noticing was or or the differences i should say my schedule was very scheduled so i knew a year and ahead exactly where i was going when i was going how long i was going 
four. Whereas he, being in the Air Force, could be called four hours before his flight and he's got to leave. And it just disrupted my world. And the reality really set in when the, all the missed events he would be able to go to. So I was going to these events as a solo person. And what was really sad, I found that some of my friends didn't even get to meet Greg until we got married. And then it was kind of getting used to being so couples tend to ask couples to dinners and things like that and I felt like I was not being asked to some things because of it and then people not really understanding my friends all my friends pretty much didn't have anything to do with military and didn't understand the relationship with military partners and would get annoyed at Greg as well and I found that really hard to manage and then it was when the deployments started it got even more challenging because i found the conversations turned to one-sided conversations or they were conversations that we just talked about the same thing over and over again because he couldn't really talk about his work I could talk about mine and what's happening, but there was things that I really wanted to talk to him about that were perhaps upsetting me, but given the nature of what he was doing when he was deployed, I felt I couldn't actually talk to him or I'd work myself up. I'm like, make a list of everything I wanted to talk to him. So when I did get to speak to him, I could go through them and really talk about it. But then I found when we actually spoke, I didn't want to have a conversation that could potentially turn into an argument. So I'd keep everything at a surface level and I felt things just build up and build up to the point I nearly resented him. Like I, I started just thinking negative thoughts and I only thought of, I went through a stage where I would think of only negative things about my husband just because out of pure frustration. And I mean, since I've learned so much about negative thoughts is quite um, evolving and it can perpetuate that process of thinking negative things but it was only because I couldn't talk about it and I felt like I was really yeah at a surface level I keep referring to it as that but that's how I felt like we only had surface level conversations and then I found when we came back the surface level conversations nearly maintained and I felt like we're starting our relationship over and over again so that's what i didn't expect and then when you add a child to that mix then it really changes so i reduced my travel significantly and then because greg was away so much i felt that his bond with our child wasn't as strong as what i'd hoped it would be and then when he was home he didn't know what our schedule was. He didn't really know how to support our relationship. And I really had to change my mindset. Before having a child, I remember a big change in my mind, which helped me a lot, was that I said to myself, I'm not going to stop doing things because he's not here. Because what I was doing, I'm like, oh, I'll wait till Greg gets home. We'll, we'll maybe catch up with those people later or I won't go to that event because I'll be going by myself. And then I just said, no, not doing that. I need my own life as well. So when I really made that switch to go, I'm going to do it if you're here or not. If you're here, great. If you're not, I'm still going. And when I did that, that was a huge thing. And then when I had a child, it was more about changing my mindset. And this is after the initial stages when you after you're so exhausted from having a young baby, but 
once that sort of subsided a bit and I could think straight, I went from going, oh, I just have no help here. I don't have support. I've got to look after this child all the time, those sort of things to this is my little buddy. Like we could go do things together. And when I switch from feeling like just a carer to I have a little cool person I can hang out with, that really helped my mindset as well. So there was, there was sort of moments in time that I changed my thought process to really help with my situation that I found that helped a lot for me. So at the beginning though, with obviously, you know, getting together and it's all new, you're both doing your own things, you're both traveling and then you get engaged and, you know, obviously there's the excitement planning a wedding and all of that. In amongst that, when, you know, you're at a point where maybe because like you mentioned, you've got your whole year planned out, you've got a schedule, you know how normal corporate world life works. And then you've got this partner who can leave with four hours notice. How did that work with you? You know, for instance, you might be only back for two weeks and this is the time that you have with him. And then suddenly he's gone. How did it work with you thinking, okay, how is this relationship actually going to work? And am I going to be able to do this for my future? I won't lie. I got to points where I thought I actually don't know if I can do this. Like I just didn't see a relationship. I suppose you grow up with a particular thought in your mind, how you think your relationship's going to be in your marriage and things like that. And no doubt everyone has probably mis ideas or, or not a reality or understanding of what it all involves. But I was like, this sort of interrupted life is not what I wanted like I wanted a full-time husband not a part-time husband and I really did struggle with that I I I found I lost myself a bit and to be honest I didn't manage it well and I also found I didn't find a military community which I think would have helped a lot at the start i felt when I first came in, there was a little bit of stigma around a military community. Um, And I say that with real sadness now, because I totally, totally believe people need that community, especially if they're coming from a non-military background and not understanding what they're doing. So I thought I'll just keep my friends and that was great but when they really didn't have an understanding of what I was going through or what really hurt was when they were judging Greg and our relationship about like how can you be with someone that's never there or you you don't really have a relationship do you that really hurt and I'd probably say it more harshly than what they said it to me but it felt like it was harsh like that so I kind of put myself into autopilot for the first couple of years it wasn't until we had to move well we got disrupted quite a lot at one point Greg got deployed and then I was a consultant that had a bit more flexibility so then and my dad had had a stroke and my mum needed support so I packed up my son and I and we went down to country Victoria where I grew up whilst Greg was deployed for a significant amount of time and then when he finished then we went straight up to Townsville and to be honest it wasn't until we moved to Townsville that I reached out for a community because I knew nobody like absolutely nobody and because I was a consultant I didn't go out and meet anybody so my clients were all overseas 
So I wasn't going out. My son was in daycare, so I'd meet parents at drop-off and little bits like that. But other than that, I just had nobody and I was at sort of a breaking point. I felt so, so alone. So I saw that there was some great spouse programs and I really like to be active. So I got involved with an exercise group there and that's where I started to meet people and they were amazing townsville if you haven't been posted to townsville i went in there with really low expectations but came out with such amazing memories we lived through the floods up there the community spirit is amazing um, everyone is there to help everybody and especially the army base has amazing facilities you can use this and is the problem great- though you come out of townsville with high expectations and then you go to different locations you're like oh i had it that, too that good. is a problem i think because townsville's not a major city they put more emphasis on the community and i think in the city postings or like Brisbane or uh, Amberley or wherever you go, if it's not like a really remote or a rural town city, there's not as much emphasis on the community and the support. And you're right, like I got this great community, but then people leave because they're all in the military. So they come and go. So your friendships are only lasting for a short period of time. Where I grew up in the country, well, you've got long lasting relationships the last like decades or forever. And that was really heartbreaking to have these friends come and go and come and go and knowing that I was going to go too. So I was going to leave my friends too. So it's the constant changes. I actually like change. I, I find um, I can see new opportunities and I'd like to think of myself as an optimist to go, right, because before we were going to Townsville, we we're actually going to be posted to Sydney. And it wasn't at the last minute until we were going to be posted to Townsville. And I was like, oh, my God, at least I knew yeah. some people in Sydney. I think there's a difference between change that you choose and change that is imposed on upon you sort of thing. Totally agree. Yep, couldn't agree more. And you really got to get your mindset around like what's there. I did a lot of research when I knew we were starting to move a lot. I would research lots of things about the area. Some things I didn't want to find out, like Townswood does have high crime rate. I'm like, oh my God, where am I going? But then I wish I'd learned more about the community support before going there and dive straight into that as soon as I got there. So obviously you mentioned that there was this stigma that you had in your mind about what a military community was. And, you know, I can only imagine what that is, which is sometimes that, you know, it's clicky or how do you make your way into that world? And, you know, maybe because I haven't been doing it for 20 years, I'm not able to access that support because I'm not doing it as hard as someone else. Like there's lots of different reasons why we sort of tell ourselves that we aren't, I guess, able to access that support or we're not at that point. And you mentioned you, you got to that breaking point and it was either access that support and just see how it goes or what do you think the alternative would have been like just stay in that state of alone and not feeling like you fit and not feeling like you're understood by your friends and family that aren't in the military world what did you envision happening if you didn't reach that breaking point and access that support I really felt my mental health would have taken well, it started to, I could tell my mental health taking a real turn for the worse and then me shutting off from the world. Like I could see signs of that and that was sort of a, a real telltale that I needed to go do something else. I'm quite a, a social person. I grew up in a country town where everyone knew each other. 
and I'm somewhat of an extrovert too. So I do, I am energized by other people as well. So I was shutting off from the world. I wasn't talking about my feelings, thoughts. All I was focused on is making sure my child was great and did things with him, but I was just doing that. So I could see a really sad ending to that road. And like you said, I had those feelings. I'm definitely not doing it as bad as someone else. Like someone who's got three children, like, God, I don't know how they would do it. Like, what are you complaining about? Like, just get on with that sort of thing. And I kept shutting myself off to go, well, it's really not that bad. Like pick yourself up. What's wrong with you sort of thing. And then I just got to the point. I'm like, I, I cannot keep doing this. I have to reach out and do something. I think it's also that you get to the point where you go, oh, these deployments and this unpredictability and not knowing what's happening and this change, this is going to keep going for as long as they are in defense. So I need to find a better way of moving through that. So I don't feel like this because I don't want to be this person for the next 15, 20 years, if he does decide to be in for that long. And I don't want to be holding on to, oh, I'll, everything will go back to normal in air quotes when he's back from the deployment or when he gets out of defense, like how can I make my life better? And you know, the best that I guess it can be. Yeah. You, you need to accept that this is your life, the change, but you've also got to figure out what works for you to make sure you can enjoy this life. You only get one life. I, well, I believe this. I, you only get one life. So you've got to choose how happy you are in that life. And you've got to do things to make you happy in that life. Nine out of 10 defense spouses wish they found out about Defense Bank sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. What happened once you accessed that support? You said that, you know, it was just amazing to see what was out there and, and to, I guess, then make friends with other military spouses who obviously got what you were going through. Moving forward, what was it like? For me, it was like, oh my gosh, this weight has just been suddenly lifted off my shoulders and why the heck did I not do this sooner? Why did I wait 10 years for me, 10 years to do this? But I guess you have to get to a point where, you know, you're comfortable and, and ready to accept that support. But what was it like for you once you stepped into that world? Honestly, I felt like I was alive again. That sounds a bit cliche, but I felt myself coming back. I felt that... I can manage this, I can do this, I can be in this world and we can be a military family, I can have my own life. I found that that was really important for my mental health to make sure I was doing things I wanted to do for myself and um, make sure I was exercising and being healthy as well. I, I found with deployments, I fell into some bad habits, but having that support, one, I could talk to people. So if I was having surface level conversations with my husband, I could actually talk to them and say, look, this is how I'm feeling. Have you ever felt like that? At first, I, I was worried that no one 
was feeling what I was feeling and people might judge me or they might think that I am not strong enough to be a military wife or something like that. And it, I always had perceived myself as a strong minded person and I felt weak asking. But once I started to ask and people were like, yep, been there, this is what I did. And another person said, well, actually I did this. You should try that as well. And I tried different things and it was just finding what works for me. But the biggest thing was getting involved in the community that was there and getting involved in every event that was listed on the schedule sort of thing that I could do um, around all my work and stuff like that. So, and that was good for my our child too, to be involved in that. What ended up happening with obviously your career once you had your child and your husband still doing his thing in defence, how did you envision your career working alongside defence life and having a child and obviously then the commitment of traveling overseas becomes so much harder and all that comes with what you were doing previously in your job how did you envision that working oh <laughs> not well <laughs> at the start especially with the child but i left my permanent nine to five and started working as a consultant because i needed more flexibility and then i thought well then that allows us to move wherever we need to move and I can still have my career. It was really important for me to hold on to my career and not think that it's all about his career. Because if I, I think I would have started resenting him if I had to give up my career that I'd worked so hard to be in. So I, I switched to consulting and that was less travel, still more travel. But I remember calling my mom before I had my child saying, mom, I have no idea how I'm gonna do this. Are you able to help knowing that we wouldn't live in the same state or anywhere close, but could you come up and like look after our child whilst I need to go here or this and that. And my mum, she's amazing. I'm so, so lucky. She's like, whatever you need, we will be there. And she was actually, a, she is still a carer of my dad and still she was happy to fly up to Townsville when needed and we went and lived with them for a while. And so my parents just flew to me whenever I needed them, thank God. And I know not everybody has that support system and I really feel for them. Like I even you hear people like, oh, they're just going around to my mum's house and staying a night there. And I'm like, oh my God, that'd be amazing just to call my mum and go, we just pop around for dinner or something like that. So I didn't have that, but I did have amazing parents or mother that could come up and support it. And as actually as a result, my son is extremely close to my mom and they have a bond which is like no other which is lovely and without her I, I couldn't have done it I would have had to absolutely stop my career but it was frustrating to think that it would be my career that would always be sacrificed to the point that I've said you have to retire early and then it's all about my career yeah it, it really drove me to create my own business as well so that I would have I suppose if the consulting business dried up, I could have a backup plan as well for my business and have the flexibility. So yeah, I started working on my own business. Like you mentioned, you decided to start your own business and that's in support of other spouses. Can you tell us about what that business is and, and how you sort of came up with that business and wanting to go into that field? To go back a little bit, when I spoke about deployments and feeling like we had one-sided conversations and or repeated conversations, I remember thinking there has to be a better way we can do this. Like our relationship wasn't 
benefiting at all from these deployments like many and I thought the military is really great at providing support when there is a crisis point if you need counseling your relationship needs counseling I really believe they can offer a lot of services. What was frustrating to me, I felt there wasn't or there isn't enough on the prevention side. Like what are they doing to really prevent relationship breakdown or poor communication and things like that? And to the point that I thought, well, I'm not going to get any support for the prevention because I didn't want our relationship to end up in crisis. And I wanted to be able to help other spouses who also had uh, mentioned that they really felt their relationship was suffering a lot by either constant interruption or deployment where they're not home. And I, I wanted to provide like a, a program or something or do a program that could help couples to communicate better. They can discuss things about their relationship without having to think about like mentioning anything that would they were doing overseas while they were deployed because they can't talk about it. So I really wanted to do this, but I knew I didn't have the skills. I really wanted a psychologist involved to really understand the mindset and what strategies and tools can be implemented to really improve this part of being a military spouse. So I partnered with an amazing psychologist, Emma Rice, who's based in Melbourne, and she's done a lot of work with individuals who are separated from their loved ones and working with them on their own emotions and feelings and then working on their relationships as well. So we joined and we discussed what we could do to do this. I didn't know exactly how we could deliver a program as such. And we worked on it for about nine months and we developed a online program for couples to complete whilst they're physically separated or whilst they've got constant interruption. So if um, they might have a member in the Air Force who flies a lot or, or what it, whatever it might be, they might have a lot of trainings and things like that. I wanted it flexible enough that couples could complete at home or whilst apart. And I wanted it to be fun, but also educational. And I really wanted to make sure that there was some really positive outcomes. So yeah, we designed this program that has different modules in it. And each module has an educational video by Emma, our psychologist, to talk about a specific topic. It might be about communication. It might be intimacy. It might be be, there's a whole lot of different topics. So that you listen to the video, then there's a solo mission so that this is where the individual gets to reflect on the information which they have just learned and where it sits with them. How does it sit with them? Then there is a team challenge. So this is where both couples come together virtually. It's designed to be virtually if they need to be. And there will be a task for them to do that relates to that topic. There's also a reflection journal, which will called a think tank that has lots of questions that can really stimulate your thoughts on that particular topic. And then there's just really fun, easygoing date night. So that is not related to the topic specifically. It is really to give you guys the time to enjoy each other's time, let it be a part or together. So you go through the program and it, it, it does highlight to individuals perhaps areas which they want to really improve on their relationship, what they can do to improve on that area, 
but there is a very, very strong focus on communication and resilience so that your relationship can get through anything going forward. So we built this program and we've had really great feedback that it's now expanded to so long distance relationships. So couples who are sometimes have never physically met as well. We've also had, um, have given the crazy world we live in at the moment um, because of COVID, the AFL had approached us to provide a program for their players so because they had to play in this bubble and they were going to be away for their relationship and now we're looking to work with also mining and the FIFO sector, mining and resources. So we're really quite positive about how the, this is impacting people's lives. But my biggest thing with the military, it all started because of the military, because there was had to be a better way than just living on this surface level and just our relationship staying here or declining. I wanted to, to utilise this time whilst we're apart to really improve our communication. I remember um, I was listening to a podcast and it was about couples, long distance relationships, and they'd never met and their love grew so strong and their communication was amazing. So when they finally met, they had such strong relationships and it came down to their communication. And it was because they focused on their communication and being a couple using words first, then having that intimacy of connection, they had to find ways they could connect through words, not just by cuddles and things like that. And I thought that's really interesting. Like we're apart. Why don't we use this time apart to really grow our bond and our connection? And for me, just going through the process and working with the psychologist, I have learned so, so, so much. I'm like, oh, I really should have done this. And I really should have done that. And just the way I talk now, if I've got an issue that I want to bring up or, or maybe a sensitive topic instead of saying, you always do this or and using words where he may feel that he's been attacked, I've changed it to be, so when you do this, it really makes me feel like this. So that it was very specific examples. I wasn't sort of putting out there that he's always doing that, but it also gave him an insight as to how I was feeling. So there's just these tips and tools and strategies along the way that you can use forever in your relationship. And if you do, you will really see your relationship evolve and your communication and closeness really start to become something maybe that maybe you'd hoped it always had would be or something even, even better that you never realized it could be so, so close. So I, I'm still a consultant, um, but because of the world, that's dried up. So I've nearly focused 100% or 90% on this amazing business that I've built up with Emma, who is just the most loving, warm psychologist that I've ever met. So it goes from a position of instead of being reactive, it's more about nurturing the relationship and getting the military member involved. So it's not just you feeling like you're doing all the work. And then when they come home, they're kind of trying to fit into whatever work you've done on yourself through whichever method, but then they're not on board because they actually have no idea what's going on and they're trying to transition home and, and trying to figure all of that out. It's about doing the work together, but separately if you're living apart so that when you do come back, together you're not having to take those you know six 12 months to actually get back on the same page exactly a hundred percent it's and we did want both partners to do it because like you said 
one person can work on themselves as much as possible, but then trying to get the other person to fit in and be able to grow as quick as the other person without the support. We found that it's very one-sided. We know that it's not possible for a partner always to do it at the same time. And that's why one partner can work on a little bit separate time. You've just got to come together for the team challenges. But we really feel that if both partners can do it at the same time, then it is worth so much more to the relationship than an individual doing it. And of course, less intimidating than trying to convince your partner to go to a couple's counselling session. Yeah, so a lot of couples might feel like, one, they're not at a stage they need counselling, or two, they're intimidated by sitting in front of a psychologist and maybe feeling, hopefully the psychologist wouldn't make them feel judged, but maybe they go in thinking they might be judged. So... It was giving them their own space, their own personal space to work on their relationship together. So then how do you, obviously those spouses that are like, yep, sign me up, how do they then get their military member on board to take part in the course when maybe they're on the fence or they don't see the need for it or, you know, because this is something that should be, I mean, you can obviously do it if you're at crisis point, but this is something that you can do so you don't reach crisis point. And sometimes the urgency isn't there for the military member who are predominantly male and sometimes have to kind of be pushed in the right direction to do something. So what would you say to a partner, a spouse that is wanting to get their military member on board to do this, but doesn't know how to quite get them them to come around? Yeah. It's a really good question because quite a few people have that challenge and Like you said, if they're not at a crisis point, they're like, we don't need any help. What's wrong with us? And maybe even have their their guard up. So I would really suggest that to get them on board, just say, just do the first module and see what you think. Because the first module breaks that down. The first thing Emma talks about in it was, you may be doing this because your spouse has asked you or you feel like you have to. And she explains that that is okay. It's okay to be in that position. But then what it breaks it down to is what is important to you? So it looks at what are your values and then what are you doing spending on those values? So it's making the person that's doing that assess if their relationship is worth them doing this program. So is it worth them investing a small amount of time in comparison to the rest of their lives? Is it worth them making this commitment to their partner to say, look, if this is something you feel we need or would like to do, I will be able to give you my time to do it. And then as it evolves, it will show them what they can learn and improve on in their relationship. But getting that first step, it's more about just getting them to watch the first module and they will quickly see that what they're about to learn is of great value. And it's something they can utilize in their life going forward in their relationship for the rest of their life because relationships evolve and individuals evolve. So naturally our relationships change, but having it teaches you these foundations and strategies to be able to keep communication open and have a really resilient relationship. And it may be a case that the spouse that's at home might say, look, this is how I'm feeling at the moment. And I'm worried maybe it might escalate to something that is more critical. And I would really like for us to improve on our relationship. Obviously, you work with a psychologist. You have probably done your course 
three times over. So you know what you're doing communication wise with your partner, but how do you, even when you do work alongside a psychologist, how do you keep on top of your mental health and make sure that um, you're doing okay with everything? Because sometimes it can get to the point, especially when you have obviously like a program or a business that is all to do with helping others. It can kind of get to the point where you overlook yourself. How do you keep on top of your mental health? Exercise is a big thing for me or just getting out of the house because I am constantly in the house. I, if I don't make myself go out, I'm only leaving to drop my son off school and back and go grocery shopping. That, that's, that'll be my life if I don't make myself get out. So getting out and doing some exercise, uh, getting involved in military events if I can. Uh, we're based in Brisbane now, so I find there's not many events well, that I know about anyway. Maybe a, a little letter telling me all the events in Brisbane would be nice. If there are any, I don't know, because of COVID. And also trying to remember my mindset where... I need to do things for me. My son, I remember a while ago, my son asked me, and it was close to Mother's Day, and he's like, Mommy, what are you, like, doing? And I could not, could not answer him. I'm like, oh, wow. And that that was a bit of a wake-up call for me and a reminder that I need to stop and think about what I like to do and, and make an effort to do them. So being just engaging with the community, it doesn't have to be the military necessary, just in your own community. That's important. Get to know your neighbours. Hopefully you've got nice neighbours. I think that's really important. And if your spouse is away, try not to fall into really bad habits like me. Binge watching Netflix till like 1am and then so tired and then it's self-perpetuating and whatnot. Hey, um, there's, so there's a time and a place for binge watching Netflix. And there's, there's definitely yeah. <laughs> a time and a place, but not every night that you <laughs> deployment no there's not that many shows there's not enough shows to binge watch every night you have to save them up (laughs) so i i do think just pausing and thinking about what you like to do and do them even it's a little hobby of or gardening or whatever it is just do something for yourself and so if people listening want to find out more about your course or get involved, sign up, how do they go about doing that? So the, the program's called Partners Elsewhere. And it, the, the business was called Partners Elsewhere, but because we've grown so much, it's now PE Health. We also have a psychology clinic, but the Partners Elsewhere program, we'll put a link down below and you can access it through there. But I would also, I, I really want to help as many spouses as we can. So I'd like to offer 50% off to your wonderful community you have there and maybe for the first 100 couples. And all they need to do is put the code M. WL50. There's general information at pehealth.org and just click on relationships and then click military and have a look through the website. We're also on Facebook. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Elise, and telling us about your spouse experience and all that you're doing to help spouses. Like I said, (laughs) if you want something done, get a spouse to do it because we know best. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. And I I love what you do, Beck. It's really, really, really valuable to a huge amount of people. So thank you. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. 
Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 